It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Star, but only strictly where I'm famous. I'm in this foot along this hall, like we'll see where it takes us. I'm throwing back these double shots like whiskey here is weightless. Cause cause this career I chose was even riskier than Vegas, yo. Hello everybody! Welcome, welcome! Welcome to another episode of Live with Colby Rebel. It's a fun, exciting Thursday night. We are full force into Mercury retrograde, so this will be really fun. Let's hope technology holds up for us tonight. Uh, We have an amazing, amazing guest tonight. Super, super excited. Uh, Truly an honor to have him join us this evening. So our guest tonight is Paul Selleck. He is considered one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. He is an accomplished, best-selling author. He's got six channel books, I believe. A new book is coming out. He's had a career um, as a as an educator. So this is going to be amazing. He graduated Yale. So (laughs) it's going to truly amazing. He tours the world, helps teach. He's a psychic medium. Um, This is going to be amazing. And I can't wait to dive in and learn more about him and this journey. I mean, how do you go uh, from the esteemed college to this work, which we all know, you know, I was a tax manager and took that leap of faith, but I am truly excited to hear about Paul's journey. So please let's welcome Paul Selig to the show. Hi, Paul. Hi, Colby. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know everybody is super, super excited, and I'm just so curious. So you graduated from Yale, mm-hmm. and you worked uh, in the education system for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell us, uh, when did you discover your gift? Did you discover it while you were in school or after? Mm-hmm. It was shortly after, and it was a process, and I, I, I don't know that I perceived it as a gift when it first started. I had been raised an atheist, and um, when I was 25 and about a year, less than a year really, or just about a year out of graduate school, I um, hit a real wall, and I began praying for the first time in my life, and surprisingly, I heard something, and I followed the directions, and that was the beginning of it. Um, the process for me of opening up psychically and as a, as a, as a channel and as a, a clairsentient or empath, which is much of how I work, that came in increments. And when it first started, it re- in a way that was demonstrable, I, I had studied a form of energy healing and I started to hear for people when I had my hands on them. I used to access information for them clairaudiently and that would be proven out. So I began to trust it. 
and that was the process. But I was an academic uh, for 25 years. I taught at New York University, and I ran a small graduate program at Goddard College in Vermont. And I was doing my work as a channel and as a, a healer as I was when I was working in that way. Pretty quietly for a very long time, I really wasn't looking to be known, and I certainly wasn't expecting to be channeling entire books. I really wasn't even anybody who initially put much stock in channeling. It was, I'm not a very good new ager, and I really <laughs> never have been. So it's been an odd process for me, but, but very much an ongoing one. I see sometimes people who seem to blossom overnight and have, you know, all this stuff happening for them. And in my case, it was very much a process. I had to, I'm not a trained medium. I had to learn everything that I learned through doing it. And the process of doing it has really been my instruction, you know, over probably over well over 25 years now. Wow. So when you were discovering your gift um, mm -hmm. and, and really realizing, hey, wait a second, there's something here. Um, mm -hmm. How did how did your peers perceive that? Uh, were they receptive? Did you tell anybody? Were you in the mm -hmm. closet? <laughs> Initially, I mean, when I first started to open up, I was just so excited. I wanted everybody to know, and I'm sure I was a great big pain in the ass, you know. And I remember these evaluation forms from NYU from, you know, when I was in my 20s, because this was happening when I was in my 20s and I was already teaching there. You know, I'd hear these, these evaluations would come and I'd say, you know, I learned a lot. I really have a great understanding of Aristotle, and I can see auras. Because I used to teach the kids how to see energy. Um, when we'd run out of things to talk about sometimes. And I, I sort of realized pretty quickly that that's not what I was being paid to do there and that it wasn't necessarily um, anything that I should be doing there. <laughs> but really, for the most part, I kept a low profile um, in academia. At Goddard, where I, I ran a program, it's a wonderful old, you know, progressive college. And, you know, when my, my, my boss there found out what I did when I began teaching there originally, she said, well, why aren't you sharing this with this community? And they said, you know, this is Goddard. You bring all parts of yourself here. And that floored me. So Goddard, in many ways, supported my, my work. I'm sure there were people that just thought it was nuts. And I'm sure that there still are. But for the most part, I think I wear this lightly. And I'm, again, you know, just doing my thing. I'm not proselytizing anything. I, I show up for this very, very odd work that I do on a regular basis as I have for a long time and learn through it. And, you know, for the most part, people have been surprisingly supportive. I was in the closet at NYU for a long time until some show, it was the, this A&E bio show called The Unexplained, wanted to do an episode with me and they wanted to film me at NYU. And um, I, I said initially, you know, I can't do this and my boss doesn't know. And then I thought about it. You know, one of the things my guides teach is that the action of fear is to claim more fear. And every choice you make in fear gets you more in the same. So I realized I was just being fearful. So I called up my boss and I said, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but, you know, I, I, I work as a, as a, I think I might have said sensitive or you know, <laughs> some some euphemistic word for psychic. And but the moment he heard the TV people want to come, he said, oh, sure, bring them. I'm sure he didn't hear anything about psychism. He just heard, you know publicity. And the funny thing was, for the most part, nobody really seemed to care. So, you know, I just kept doing it until it was clearly time for me to move on and, and commit to this work full time, which is what I've done. And when you 
when you realized it was time, did you kind of get a message like, hey, you're going to go do this? <laughs> or, or how did that come about for you? You know, I've been getting the message for a couple of years. And for the most part, my guides don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything's good. They're really big on free will. I mean, if I say, you know, is it a good time to, to walk into traffic? They might say not wise, you know, because <laughs> it's my choice. If I want to walk into traffic, I can. But for a couple of years, I'd be doing these groups and I'd see this, this picture from Mary Poppins where everybody was floating up to the ceiling, but I was hanging on to my desk for dear life. Like I was going to bring my desk with me if I was going to ascend in consciousness. Finally, what happened is I woke up one morning and I knew it was time to go. And um, I really cared about the work that I did. I was a very good teacher. I was watching this thing today on, on, on my my feed where this college girl from I think Sweden stopped a plane to get a man who was being deported off and I wept and I remembered how much I like being with that age group and, and the beauty that they bring to the world because they're emerging and all their power and messiness so I miss it but you know when it was time to go it was time to go and I I'd made every list in the world about why I should stay and um, tried to be practical and drove myself crazy. And then I left because it's what I needed to do. My guides say, you know, when you know, you know. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great, great point. And I bet it helps so many of your students when they're feeling conflicted or that impulse or inspiration to kind of do the same thing. You know, I don't know. I mean, you had a career that you moved away from, it sounds like, and I you know, I did it very cautiously. I really did. I yeah. did the I did the budget. I, I made sure I could make the rent before I, I I gave up my my benefits and my matching insurance and all of those things. My friends were looking at retirement and I was walking away from all of that yeah. and you know what I might have had. So I did it carefully. And occasionally when people come to me and they say, you know, I want to quit my job in corporate America and I just want to be a Reiki master and am I going to make a living? And I go, you know, I don't know. And it takes time, you know, and there are many, many ways to serve without being a Reiki master. There are many ways yeah. to contribute to the world. That's one of them, certainly. But I tend to I tend to be a little more cautious, perhaps, than I should. And I've been I've been cared for well through this transition and in retrospect for all of my life, even in the years when I was very confused and very, very poor and, you know, didn't have a pot to pee in. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a saying my family uses too. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the thing too, right. I, I remember being a tax, I mean, a tax accountant, right? T talk about yeah. security. <laughs> uh -huh. Talk about, so I, I can uh, totally relate to, uh, this is going to have to make sense. Like, I'm not just doing this. <laughs> um, now, how do you receive your information now? Is it still primarily clairaudiently? Because I know you mentioned it's like a radio. So can you just tell the yeah. listeners what that's like for you? Well, when I'm channeling, I'm taking dictation. So, you know, my I'm odd in that I whisper the words as they come and repeat them. So I'm hearing and I whisper, the transmission is the whisper. I'm repeating the next transmission's coming in. So I'm in this odd loop where I'm always just speaking and I don't necessarily know what I just said or what the last phrase was. It's like reading one fortune cookie after another. So that's channeling. When I work psychically, they call me, you know, a medium for the living. So I'm not the guy... To, to talk to your aunt who's on the other side. But if your aunt is in the next town and you haven't spoken for two years, I can step into your aunt. I may start to look like her 
and I'll hear her. I'm like a switchboard, so I can go between her and I can go between you. And that is a little bit different. I mean, it's still, I'm still getting auditory information. My body is used when I'm channeling. There's, a, there's gestures and symbols and mudras that the guides that I work with use. But, you know, if, I'm, if I tune into your aunt and you haven't spoken in two years and your aunt comes through and she does that, I know what that means and I'll, I'll access that information. And that actually means back off when I see the middle finger. It's like back <laughs> off, boundary. And then I can hear. And the difference is that I go back and forth between many people. So I'm kind of like a switchboard with all the little plugs going in. And the difference when I work psychically is I get to interpret more. You know, I interpret what the gesture means. When I'm channeling, I'm very, very clear that it's about taking dictation. I mean, all of the books that have been delivered through me are really the unedited transcripts of those sessions. I can't go back and pretty it up or take out that paragraph that doesn't make sense. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. And it's in the book, maybe with a footnote. You know, once I was channeling and the dog burst into the room and interrupted and I got a sentence got skewered, but that's about the worst of it. So that's my process. I feel that if it's channeled, that means it's not my creative work and I don't get to embellish. The idea is that it's channeled, it's dictated. When I'm working psychically, there's more interpretation involved. And the psychic work is in some ways more fun because I get to work with the images and the feelings and all of that. And when I'm channeling, it's just, it's like I get plugged in with, you know, the psychic headphones and it's just phrase, 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 phrase. And they'll do it through me for hours, you know, <laughs> five hours in a workshop. It's insane. So when you're teaching this, how, how do you teach your students that they can channel? I don't teach people that they can channel. Okay. I don't, I don't know how I do it. <laughs> so I've never taught channeling. So you help them just tune into themselves, help them tune into their higher selves, things like that. It's a much, it's a much larger process. I don't plan my workshops. I really don't. I show up. I know the title of the workshop because we have to put something on the flyer, but that's it. <laughs> the guys that I work with actually are teaching the entire workshop and it's what they want. They come through with an energy that's extremely palpable and they work with that energy through attunements. So they're, wor they're attuning everybody who comes to be able to work with the energy in very direct ways. So people are learning how to access the higher frequency. Essentially, the guides, yes, are tuning up the radios that they are to play the broadcast. For some people, that may come with a kind of clear audience, right. if that's how they're developed. But for other people, not. There, there, are people, there are students that show up in my workshops that have never seen anything clairvoyantly. And by the end of the weekend, they're saying, oh, my God, I'm seeing, you know, blank, blank, blank. And they, and they are. And they're just opening up and beginning to operate at that, what my guides call octave. But I don't teach psychic development or channeling. Maybe one day they'll say we want to teach channeling. But I often say, I don't know why anybody would want to do it. You know, I mean, channeling, truthfully, if you, I think real channeling is, is, is stenography as much as anything. You really are relaying information. And I don't know anybody who channels, and this just may be me and my small circle of, of friends, but I don't know people who do what I do who can channel terribly well for themselves. I can't unless somebody feeds me questions and about myself, and then I can get information. 
but um, it's just like psychics that have a hard time reading for themselves. I, tra I trade with right. friends all the time. Yeah. You know? So it's just one of the things that we do. So I don't know if that answered your question, but the guides are the teachers of the workshops. And the workshops are really about embodiment. They're right. really about embodying the divine self in a way that's extraordinarily physical and, and palpable and hopefully um, supports great change. Oh, that's, that's really um, incredible. But with the channeling, do you, do you get tired? Do you, do you ever get tired? Yeah. yeah. I do. You know, and I, I, I'm not sure about this. I mean, I'm channeling a book right now that they're doing in workshops. The last book was delivered entirely in front of students and audiences um, over a period of months, and they're doing it again. And when I'm channeling a book, I'm often spent. But they're also bringing through energies that I'm not necessarily used to. They're teaching new stuff, and they're attuning people through each book to sort of a higher level of, of vibration. But if there's resistance in the room, if there's somebody in the room who's just resolved to decide this can't be real, then I, I, you know, I can be exhausted by that because I'm working against something. And the moment that person leaves, the energy in the whole room goes through the roof. But that doesn't happen very, very often. Um, the way that I work is, is arduous, and it just may be this odd thing that I do with the repetition. But I also am working full body in the energy, you know, and it's like when, when it's I can be very, very tired and show up for a channeling and the guides aren't tired. They're delivering this gorgeous lecture. And the moment that's done, I'm like, you know, a rag doll in the chair, <laughs> you know, and then I go take a nap during my lunch break and come back and do it again. So. That's my process and other people are different. Other people are replenished by it. And sometimes I am as well. I wouldn't do it if I wasn't enjoying it. Um, you know, the tax on my system, I think, probably has something to do with my system and how I care and don't care for myself physically. So right. I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm party to this as well. Do you, so the Master Trilogy... Uh, mm -hmm. that's the, the three part series, right? Mm -hmm. And you have the book of mastery, the book of truth and the new one, the book of freedom. Mm -hmm. So you channel these, so you just put it out. Do you, do you even remotely remember anything when you write it or is it just gone? Well, there's, you know, there's no writing involved at all. There's speaking. So the books are spoken. And then there's a wonderful person who's been transcribing these books, um, I did them all, I think, up through the Book of Mastery. There's three that preceded that trilogy. And I used to do the transcriptions, and I, and I was so sick of hearing my own voice. <laughs> you know, I never wanted to see the books again. And now I actually read them some because somebody else is, and I want to see if they make sense. I don't know if the lectures made any sense until I see it typed up because I'm hearing it in phrases. So... You know, it's an odd process. The Book of Freedom is coming out in November and they've already started a whole other trilogy, you know, and I haven't even caught up with integrating the teachings from the last book. But, you know, the guides show up. I show up, they show up, and then the work seems to happen or so far it has. And, and I guess I should be grateful for that because, you know, otherwise I'd be sitting in a chair talking to myself. <laughs> They might pad the room if that happens, right? <laughs> could happen that way, I know. Yeah. So when um when you have this opportunity to channel and then to speak it, um, mm -hmm. do you see the change that it creates 
for for the listeners, for the students? Like, are, yeah. you know? You know, we're in this field of frequency that's palpable. There are physical things that happen, you know, when I channel and there's certain things, certain times when I work and they really step into me fully, my eyes go bright ice blue. I have, if you can see them, dark hazel eyes, you know. I mean, the phenomena that's accompanied this work from the beginning has been interesting and it's part of the reason that I did it so long. I had a group that met in my apartment for about 18 years on and off, mostly on. I had a little basket that I'd put out. People would put 10 bucks or 20 bucks in and I'd put up the folding chairs, I'd channel and that was it. But I did it not because I wanted to be a channel or to channel books. I did it because I wanted to be in the energy that was coming through. Because you, I kept thinking, you know, I don't know who the hell am I to be channeling? What is this stuff? The information to me was somewhat, I, I was dismissing it for a period of a long period of time. I wasn't interested in the information coming through. I was really interested in the energy because you couldn't fake the energy. And there was a time in about 2008 when they began to lecture through me. And that's when everything changed. I'd been a smoker before then. When I quit smoking, my whole system opened up and they began to work through me in an entirely different way. And the moment I became willing to record and transcribe the sessions is when they started, they said, we have a book to write. So the moment I was willing and able, um, you know, it's been, it's been like riding a racehorse ever since. They really haven't stopped. Yeah, they, they definitely seem to keep you busy. So when we talk about they, your guides, do mm -hmm. you have your specific guides that always work with you or do you have guides that step in? What is that process for you? You know, I, I see one of them on occasion in meditation. And it's, if I think if I meditated every day, I probably see a bunch of them. And, you know, it's my laziness. But I, it's a collective and I, it feels the same and the cadence of the sentence is the same and the word choices are the same. So I'm very comfortable with what I hear because I've become familiar with it. And when something comes that's not from my guides, I'm very aware of that too because of the difference. When I'm working psychically and I'm hearing other people and I'm getting information for them, I may be getting information from off the side. When my guides come in, they're really clear because we see my guides are teachers. So they're not personal spirit guides that are there to help you figure out, you know, whether to marry this one or that one. They'll go to you and really support you and in, in, in what you need to know or in how you need to know it for yourself to choose in a high way and not be operating in fear. So I understand them as a collective. They use the we. I feel the energy when I work. Occasionally, I'm just surrounded by it. It's like I'm I'm floating off in a cloud and this is happening and I'm aware of the speaking and I hear the sound of the words and I know the words, but I'm not really tracking terribly much because I'm enjoying being in the energy. But, you know, it depends on, on how, how far receded I am. I used to say, it really is still my process that when I'm, I, I work with the prayer protection before I start, I've done it from the beginning and I just like doing it. It's not because I'm scared of anything. That just sets a field that I prefer. And I imagine myself sitting at the wheel of a car, even though I'm one of those rare people that never learned to drive, but I sit behind the wheel of a car and then I climb into the back seat and turn the wheel over to the guide. And then I'm in the back seat sort of 
half listening. Sometimes that's like I'm reading a magazine. If I don't trust what's coming through or the transmission's feeling shaky, I'm backseat driving and then that's a problem. And I've been known to interrupt the channelings. And then the guys will say, Paula's asking, Paula's interrupting. And I am. <laughs> if they're saying something that it's just, I can't wrap. It just feels too far out. They're going to need to unpack it for me in some way. You know, and yeah. sometimes they say, we'll take up your question later, let us complete. And I actually like that because <laughs> they remind me who's in charge and that it's not up to me to, it's not my book, yeah. other words, not my teaching. Yeah. I, I love it though. It's kind of like you're, you're the student of the channeling. Cause you're like, excuse yeah. me, I have a question. And the teacher's yeah. like, okay, just let me get through this and then we'll address questions. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So, and, and you never learned how to drive, huh? You're from New York, right? I'm a, New, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a native New Yorker. And then when I lived in the, when I lived in Massachusetts on the Cape, when I was in high school, I used to hitchhike, you know, I loved it, you know, now I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> back in those days, I didn't think anything of it. And, um, and now I, I keep saying I want to move to California because I like it out there. And, you know, one of the hindrances is that I never learned to drive, but I hear you have Uber out there and oh, yeah. it's possible for people like me yes. to move to your state. And we're actually getting, you know, slowly a transit system. So, <laughs> but it's definitely possible. I, I love it. I, I moved here in 97 from mm -hmm. New Jersey. So I, I definitely love it out here. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier an energetic attunement. Mm -hmm. Can you, do, do you mind just explaining that um, yeah. for the listeners, like what that means? Well, the guides say, you know, we're all, we're all radios, right? We're always in transmission. Our transmission is our consciousness. So we're always playing something, you know, I mean, it's like this idea that, you know, people say, I'm going to manifest something. We're always manifesting because we're always in vibration. And our vibration is in co-resonance with the world that we see. So my guides say that everything that you see before you, you're in agreement to. That doesn't mean you made it happen, but it does mean you're in energetic accord. Individually and collectively, this is true. If you can perceive it, you're in vibrational accord to it. So the level of resonance or the station that you're playing is claiming your reality and the collective is doing the same thing. So if you can imagine that the radio that you are has stations that you have not yet played that are way up there on the dial and you've never been, your radio's not been tuned to play those stations, that's what the guides are doing. They're tuning the radio that you are to play the higher frequency. They do this through language that they say is um, encoded. So they, they talk about a lot of their metaphors or the ways that they teach are, mu are musical for some reason. They talk about chords and octaves and things like that. They don't really talk about dimensions and, and things like that, maybe because I'm, I don't know science at all, but I like the way they speak and it makes it easier for me to understand. So the idea being that if you speak these, they call them claims of truth, they say what is true is always true, you're essentially attuning the radio that you are to play these things. And in the workshops, we do them. And everybody gets it. You know, it's very rare, actually, for, I mean, I have people that have never felt, I did a, a workshop in a theater in Chicago a few months ago. It was probably I don't know, 150 people in there or something. Most of them didn't know who I was. They were just there for the medium guy who was showing up. <laughs> and the guides attuned the entire audience. And they all got it. You know, people could feel the energy. And I think that's very exciting. 
See, I'm not a guru. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I have no interest in being either of those things at all. <laughs> Somebody else can want it. They can run with it. I'm happy to show up for this. But I also think it's very important for people to have their own experience of this. So if the guides that I work with are coming through and they're attuning people to the energy and you can feel the energy, then you have your own authority over that experience. It's not anybody waving a crystal over your head and saying, oh, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe you are, but I want to feel it. You know, when I was 25, I had a, a bit of an experience that helped me open up and I asked to be woken up one night and something happened, but it was an experience of energy moving through my body. And people said later, it sounded like a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. I just may have been hyperventilating. I don't know what it was, but for me, it was important to feel something, to know something in my body and my bones in my experience. And that changed me. So my sense is, is that when people have these experiences with this energy that comes through the guides, they are changed. Now the books are the energetic attunements. So the books, the guides say the books are encoded. They're, they're, they say there are two books. There are the words on the page and there's the real book, which is the energy that informs it. And it's interesting, they said this from the very beginning and they said, you're gonna feel it. And when the reviews for the first book started coming out on Amazon and you know nobody knew who I was and I was amazed anybody found the books at all. There was no real publicity, there was no publicity at all. People started, you know, writing these reviews saying, you know, I'm reading the book and my body's vibrating. I'm reading the book and I'm seeing auras. And that's been the case with all of them so far. And it seems to be why they built something of a following as people are having these very personal experiences with the energy and with the guides that, that, that teach. Wow. Do you ever feel um, like pressure? Is there ever a situation where you're saying, oh, my goodness, like I am just not in the mood to channel today? <laughs> yeah, most days, most days, you know, um, my I had to do a live stream. I do a live stream every Wednesday night. And last night I was complaining. My, my assistant comes over and runs the, the tech. And then we had a fight about politics 10 minutes before other, and I can't, I can't have a fight about politics and then, and then channel. Cause my guys, my guys said, you know, none of you are right. That was their own take. I said, what do you think about that? We just have said, none of you are right. And it was a healthy debate that we were having, but you know, I show up anyway. I really have always shown up for this anyway. It's not about convenience. Yeah. The teaching that comes through isn't about convenience, you know, I, I was a good college teacher because I liked to teach and I showed up when I didn't feel like it, you know, and um, and that's been my practice with this. Um, there are times that I'm confounded by the work, you know, um, I what they're teaching now at times feels so far out to me. And, um, you know, I speak with this uh, wonderful woman who's a prayer minister from the Agape Church in L.A., and I was explaining to her some of what the guides have been teaching lately, waiting for her to say, oh, this is so far out. And she said, oh, no, no, I understand everything they're saying. And this is my language for it. And I'm going, okay, phew, there's context. You know, I wasn't raised with this stuff. So I've not read, you know, Ernest Holmes or, or people. I've read, you know, very little of that kind of stuff over the years. But I'm challenged by the work. And, you know, I go, I should be skinnier. I should be in a relationship. I should, I should, I should. My small self or personality self has all these things that he thinks should be. But, you know, the aspect of me that is 
the true self or what the guides say is, is pretty blissed out through this whole process. And it's learning to align at that level of awareness, you know, because my small self knows itself through its habits and its fears and what it thinks it should be. And the true self that I am and that you are and that everybody is knows far more. And according to my guides, that's who we truly are and, and what they're supporting us in realizing. So that, that self is the divine self, right? And then we have the, the small self. Yeah, that's how they say it. <laughs> small self is a personality structure. You know, it's who we think we are, not who we truly are. Yeah, yeah. And what about what about the fear? You you know, you talked about it earlier. Your own fear, getting out of the way. Um, yeah. I know you try to, you know, help others. What do you think about the fear? What is your, say, experience, words of wisdom as to like what role does fear play, and and how do we move away from it? Well, I mean, I think that there's nothing wrong with with healthy caution. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the examples I use, you know, is if you're camping and there's a bear that shows up at your tent, <laughs> run. Yes, the bear is holy and you're holy, but get the hell away from the damn bear. You know, that's smart. That's yeah. practical. You know, I live in New York City. It's not a bad idea to have a lock on your door. You know, I have a lock on my door. It's not because I'm afraid of who wants to come in. You know, I'm choosing to open the door in my way to who I want to see. Yeah. So there's that, but then there's all this other stuff. And the guides that I, I, I work with say a lot about fear. And the, they say the action of fear is to claim more fear. Um, they say that there is never a lie that's ever been told that has not been told in fear. And if you want to start changing your life in simple ways, don't lie. Don't act in fear and don't make choices in fear. And if you look at your life, if you look at the last choice you made because you were afraid, see what it got you. Yeah. And more than likely, you got more fear. Yeah. And they say the trajectory of fear is always more of the same. Now, we're living in a world that's inviting us to be afraid all the time. The people over there and those people who might do this. And all of this, you know, I mean, the guys that I work with say, you know, our sense of separation from source or a belief that we're separate from our source is so extreme. We actually believe that we're separate from everybody else and we're not, right. you know, they say everything, all is holy, all is holy, including the one you can't stand. It doesn't mean you <laughs> like them, you know, but you really can't negate the divinity in another. They say, you know, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. It's a very simple teaching. Yeah. But you have to say, you know, I'm shocked sometimes, even in sort of the spiritual community, how many people can feel perfectly well vindicated in espousing hate and separation. And I go, you know, I don't get it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get the hypocrisy of that. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. It's really simple. And what's also simple is the concept of what you damn damns you back. You know, what you bless blesses you. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't think we have to like everybody or agree with anybody. I don't think it's about acquiescing to others' opinions or, 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 or being liked and people-pleasing. I think it's about the basic awareness of the human right to be. And my guides often start workshops when they have people working with partners, and they'll say, you know, look at the one before you. She was born. She has a right to be. Yeah. And I got to tell you, some people don't know that. 
you know, and I don't even know if I knew that terribly well when I was growing up, you yeah. know, so anyway, that's my, my rant for the evening. But it's that's so just... powerful, isn't it? They were born, they have a right to be. How... Yeah, that's everybody, everybody, and there's nobody higher than the next, Yeah, you know, and the idea of, of being more spiritual is ridiculous, you know, <laughs> like, what does that mean, yeah. you know, just, you know, it's, it's just, it, 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 I don't know. You know, when I first was teaching, you know, I mean, I kind of got, I, I, my, my, my first encounter with spirituality as a possibility was really in the trenches. I mean, I came to it, you know, in, 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 in my own way. And it wasn't because I thought it would be nice to have a spiritual life. It was really because I was really up against a wall and you know, something came and showed me a different way. It was really very simple. But I used to, um, you know, I used to, when I first started teaching, I was running some program for the, that had an interface with the New York City public school system. And I used to see these, meet these teachers, like in the old South Bronx, it was really, and these people were showing up in the most amazing way. And I kept thinking, these people, I mean, they're so far along on their path. And I, I was humbled by that. I'd never seen anything like it, but they probably wouldn't have called themselves spiritual. They were showing up for their life in an authentic way in, I think, deep love yeah. for the communities that they were serving. And I think that that's something that we all get to do if we're willing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to, in a way like because you want to give and you want to help but you, yeah it's sometimes you know la you know la it just can mm -hmm. be like you know to kind of share that love and get people to connect and come together and it works i mean as you mentioned the agape i mean how beautiful yeah. is that place where Great. you can feel that energy you can feel the love and that's what they they teach and share there so what about yeah. okay so when you're not for two questions sorry they're back to back but Sure. Do you do you have to be on even like for the psychic? So like, do you do you say, hey, I'm on or I'm not on? Um, and then when you're not, quote unquote, on and I hate to say it that way, but I, I think you know what I mean by the question. I understand it. Um, you know, I don't. My experience is that the energies that I the guys that I work with are always present, you know, yeah. but they don't inter they don't interrupt. They don't intercede. If I say, is this a good time to cross the street? I'll get the answer, you know, but they won't. I don't think I'd ever hear a voice saying, Paul, don't cross the street. You know, <laughs> it's up to me if I want to do that. Other people get that good fortune and they hear those voices. And I suppose I have, but I don't know if they're the guys that, that teach through me. Um, you know, everything changed for me one day when I woke up and I said, what can I do for myself today that's positive? And I heard a voice. That, and, and when I say I hear a voice, it's not a voice in the room. It's a voice in your own head that blocks out every other thought. Yeah. And it's never the expected thought, you know? So if I was reading for you and I heard the name Esmeralda, it doesn't mean anything to me, but it may mean everything to you. You know, the reading's not for me, the information's for the person I'm sitting with. So... When I read for people, I tune into them. And the moment I tune in, I feel all their stuff. And then I work with it. When I channel, I recede. But I've been known to, you know, 
I don't know, sort of switch stations of my own consciousness pretty rapidly. I have friends that, you know, take 20 minutes to prepare and meditate before they do any of this stuff. I don't, and maybe I, I could, and there are some times that I, I think I do, but I really do trust the guides that are coming through me to support the level of the transmission. I know that there are certain things that I don't do. I don't do any drugs. I don't drink. I don't smoke. If I didn't eat sugar and, and <laughs> any grain at all, I think I'd be better too because those make me muddy. Yeah. And I don't like channeling if I've had a Hershey bar the night before because I'm, you know, the, the transmission might be just as fine, but I'm not feeling as present. So there are certain things that I do do to support this. Um, but mostly what I do is I show up and I have a dear old friend, Jeanette Meek, who's an old time spiritual medium. And she said, Paul, ask spirit to put the words in your mouth to speak. <laughs> and I do it every time and it works. Yeah. Um, so just to, so Esmeralda to me is not the most common name, but yeah. it is interesting because I do this little inspiration thing every mon morning on Coffee with Colby. And one of the ladies who's so supportive of these, this show, her name is Esmeralda. So when you said that, I was like, well, I actually know an Esmeralda because that's not, not a common name. So I thought that was yeah. kind of cute. What mm -hmm. do you do for fun? Do you have fun? <laughs> I could use some, I'm telling you. I have a little dog. I don't know where she is. I'd hold her up. Aww. I just got Lily about a month and a half ago. She's a gas. She just cracks me up. So I have Lily, and Lily and I have our time when I'm not on the road. Um, you know, I travel a lot, and I'm fortunate. I travel with, you know, with Dustin, who has been assisting me for the last couple of years, who's a smart and good companion and a good friend. So I have company when I work. And when I'm home, I'm so happy to be home, I can't tell you. So the idea of, of going to a party is about the worst thing that I can imagine. But I, I, I've been told, you know, because my psychic work for years was sort of my hobby, and now it's what I do. And I, I've been told by many friends, Paul, you got to get a hobby. You know, now you need a hobby. So I, <laughs> I think I got to find one. You need a new hobby. Well, if you move to LA, it could be it could be whale watching off the beach. I wouldn't. I'd last a minute. <laughs> <laughs> do you not like beaches or whales? <laughs> whales, but I do like the beach, and I would be there. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't. I'm much more of the mountain kind of person. There's a lot of hiking mm -hmm. here, so I always enjoy mm -hmm. the hiking, but. Maybe because of the traffic here. Uh, but you're coming to Santa Barbara this weekend. So this weekend, yeah. I got to tell you, Santa Barbara is amazing. It's a it's beautiful place. I so agree. beautiful. So you're going to do a... Uh, you're going to do a workshop there. It's a two-day workshop, right? It's a two-day workshop at the, Uni at the Unity Church in, um, in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And on um, Monday night... There's an evening in Berkeley, yes. California, and then Tuesday night, an evening in Mount Shasta, yes. um, where I've never been. And then Wednesday, I'm live streaming from Portland, and then Thursday, there's an evening in Portland, and then Saturday and Sunday, there's a workshop in Seattle. So I've never done this before. It's my first uh, road trip like this. So, you Oops. know, if I don't get thrown out of the car halfway there, I think I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be in good stead. Well, it's going to be um, 
beautiful just because you're kind of really going right up that coast. So it's going to be. Yeah. And, and the weather has been, it's hot. So I hope it cools down okay. a bit for you. <laughs> but Mount Shasta is uh, really cool. If I remember correctly, there's a, um, uh, a live like hot stream there. So you can see it. So if you get a chance, I, you might not have too much free time, but it really is. It really beautiful there so all of these uh events if everybody goes to paulseelig.com i know there's an mm -hmm. event workshop events tab they mm -hmm. click on that yeah. and it lets them do it and they can just sign up uh right then mm -hmm. right right then yeah okay perfect and then we've got the book of freedom coming out in november november yeah it's up for pre-order if you'd like on you know amazon or barnes and noble the other sites so it's it's, it's there and it's gettable, but it's officially out in November. Well, what's great is this gives everyone, this is good timing because if they haven't listened to the book of mastery and the book of truth, they can listen to that <laughs> pre-order the book of freedom and get it all in. That's right. Yes. So I, I just want to take an opportunity to really thank you. I, I mean, can you believe it? This is this. It has been the end. We, we have done it. And I am so grateful to you. And and thank you for all of the work uh, that you do. So thank you very much, Paul. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, Colby. Yes, and safe travels. Enjoy your your West Coast travel, and uh, I hope to talk to you again. Thanks. I would, too. Take okay. care, man. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Star, but only strictly where I'm famous I'm in this foot along this hall Like we'll see where it takes us I'm throwing back these double shots Like whiskey here is weightless Cause, cause this career I chose Was even riskier than Vegas, yo It's cutting into your exercise time It's stabbing you in the back nine And it's attacking your peace of mind It's pain And it's getting in between you And the life you want to live CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. Oh. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.